Welcome to the club, man. Here is failure to communicate. I live my life a quarter mile at a time. This is the worst day of my life. The worst day of your life so far. He's looking at you, kid. There's no crying in baseball! I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. To infinity and beyond! Welcome to episode 27 of the Heritage Film Club. My name is Jared. I am from the Punch the Timeline podcast to celebrate one year of podcasting fine movie reviews. The club decided to let a fan choose the next movie. And therefore, I chose the 1977 action-adventure comedy Smokey and the Bandit. Mike, roll the trailer. At last, a warm, sensitive, touching story about the close personal relationship between a man and a woman, between a trucker and his dog. Fred, I'm so damn tired of picking you up. I got to Fred. Between a father no way. and his son. No way that you could come from my loins. And how they all took to the road one day for a quiet little drive in the country. From Georgia to Texas and back in 28 hours flat with a truckload of bootleg beer. I'll be driving this one. Hey, uh, blocker, blocker. You'll be driving the truck. This is Bandit 1 and that is uh, Bandit 2. <laughs> now, who would do a thing like that? <laughs> be crazy, you know that? Yeah. You know that? Ah, uh, yes. How much money do you say it was? $80,000. Universal presents... Burt Reynolds, Sally Field, Jerry Reed, and Fred. We're going to really have to cook. I mean, put it on the back burner and let's cook. Is that a 10-4? 10-4. And the only thing that stands between them and an $80,000 prize, Jackie Gleason as Sheriff Buford T. Justice. i got to barbecue your... Bandit, I've got a smoky report for you. What's your handle, son? And my handle is Smokey Bear, and I'm tail-grabbing your ass right now. This is Smokey and the Bandit, the story about a lazy weekend in Alabama, Texas, Mississippi, Arkansas, Georgia. Daddy, the top came off. No. We ain't gonna make it, son. We come in by, ain't we? Look, when we say we're gonna do a job, we do a job. It's me that after they don't even know Clint Snow exists. Oh, they don't. Well, now, I'll tell you what we're gonna do. <laughs> Smokey and the Bandit, proving once and for all, it's not where you're going to counts. It's who the hell's in back of you. The film follows Bo Bandit Darvel and Cletus Snowman Snow, 
two bootleggers attempting to illegally transport 400 cases of Coors beer from Texarkana to Atlanta. While the snowman drives the truck carrying the beer, the bandit drives a Pontiac Trans Am to distract law enforcement and keep the attention off the snowman. During their run, they are pursued by Texas County Sheriff Buford T. Justice. I chose this movie because really it's a guilty pleasure of mine. It seems like once a month or more, it's on cable somewhere, and I always end up watching it. Really, I just wanted to see how the guys would react to it. Ladies and gentlemen, the Heritage Film Club, Mike, Brian, Clayton, and Jared. Take it away, guys. Thanks, Jared, and yes, uh, welcome to episode 27 of the Heritage Film Club, where we're doing um, our first ever listener pick, Smokey and the Bandit from 1977. So, now that the intro and the summary are out of the way, um, let's just jump straight into the stats. So, this movie was directed by Hal Needham, former stuntman in Hollywood, living in Burt Reynolds' pool house, and he uh, wrote this movie, and Burt Reynolds told him, if you can get it funded, I'll star in your movie. Much to the chagrin of all of Burt Reynolds' friends who begged him not to do it. So, egg on their face much. Um... The movie had a budget of $4.3 million. Uh, It was originally a million dollars more, but it got slashed um, quite early into production, I believe. And a million of that was uh, Burt Reynolds' payday for this movie. But it went on to gross $126 million off a $4 million budget. Damn. Wow. And it, I think I read, was it wasn't only Star Wars was the only one that beat it that year or something. Yes, you just stepped over my next line. Sorry. But thank you. No. <laughs> so, so yes, the second highest grossing movie of 1977. Although there is a rather large margin um, between this and Star Wars, which I believe was somewhere around 775 million dollars. Was it the first Star Wars? Yes, 1977. The first oh, Star Wars. Okay, sweet. All right. So with that being said. We'll do some Rotten Tomatoes. So, guys, do you think it was critics or audience higher on this movie? Um, Start with Brian. Audience. And Jared? Yeah, I agree. And Clayton? Yeah, I agree. All right, well, you're all right. Um, Do you think it was a big margin? Because it sounds like you think it was a big margin. Yep. Yeah, I do. Um, Not not huge, but Mm, yeah, big enough to make me think that it was definitely the audience. Mm. All right, so the critics were 77%, which is surprisingly high, I thought, for a, for a critic score for this type of movie. Uh, and the audience score was 84. Wow. Tidy. So not too big a difference. Um, but let's see what this audience thought of the movie. <laughs> and we're going to start with Jared. Okay. Um, I enjoyed... Um, like the car scenes, the, the the driving was was real cool, like real cool cool stunts and everything like that. Um, some of the the, the one liners were real funny. Um, it was good chemistry between everyone. Um, it was definitely quite dated. Like some of the things that they said or did, you definitely wouldn't get away with today, and um, that took me out of it a little bit. Um, it was a little repetitive, like. They'd have the chases, they'd get to a roadblock, they'd get out of it, and it was just like rinse and repeat the whole time. But overall, I thought it was pretty fun. I mean, cool car chase movie. Yeah, that's about it, really. 
didn't blow me away, but it was fun. Okay, Brian? I would agree with all of that around, you know, the rinse and repeat and some of the stuff that you couldn't say anymore and all that kind of thing. But having said that, I stupid laughed my way through this entire movie. Um, I loved it. Oh, it was great. Okay, I'm going to go before Clayton because I've got to save the best for last. Um, I hadn't seen this movie before and it was on my list to watch. And man, I really, really enjoyed this movie. It was so much fun. Um, it is dated in some parts, but I think it holds up overall. It is still a really enjoyable watch, and it's a fast-paced movie, obviously, because of the content as well, I guess. Um, the stunts are really great and practical, because this is obviously pre-CGI. Uh, pre um, so yeah, it was a buttload of fun, this movie. Um, Clayton? Yeah, I sort of went on a cycle of being, like, bored, and then, oh, shit, bored. Oh. Yeah, bored, and then, oh shit, something cool happened. Sweet, this is fun. And then, okay, it's a bit boring. Oh, look, something else happened. Cool, this is fun. Like, just, like, the rest stops, you know, when they stop. So it was like, uh. But then the car chasing and all that stuff was, like, a lot of fun. Um, but this reminded me of, and I don't know, Brian, you, you're a car dude. Um is it the cannonball run, you know, when they go from one end to the other and they just mm -hmm. blitz it and get past the cops? Yeah. yeah. This reminded cannonball. me of that. Yeah. I think cannonball run was kind of made, well, it was made after this, but kind of a little bit partly because of it, I think, from a couple of things I read. And, and Mikey might have done some research on this one. Um, but yeah, Not it's, on it's cannonball a, run. It's a lot like this kind of thing, I think, yeah. Yeah. Like, because is this like, you know, the, the actual real life cannonball run? Mm-hmm. It's sort of, it's just like where it sort of came from, do you know? I, I don't know. Not as oh, far okay. as I'm aware, but I, I couldn't say one way or the other. Oh, no, but I enjoyed the car parts. The car parts were cool. All right, good. Um, well, we all set our bits, so great. That was our first listener pick. Uh, no. um, <laughs> okay, so who wants to dive in a bit deeper? Um, I guess I it was, oh, I just wanted to ask what, before you get in, was Dukes of Hazard before this? No. Like the TV series? No, Dukes of Hazard's after this. I remember Is that. Is it? I'd have been about, yeah, because I'd have been eight, nine years old when that when Dukes of Hazard was first on TV. Smoking the Bandits prior to this. Because so, it seems like a, a similar sort of thing, right? Similar mm -hmm. storylines and just, mm -hmm. I don't know if one sort of took from the other. Jumping well, cars Hazard over a moonshine run or something. Yeah. Yeah, it was a bootlegging run yeah. every week. Yeah, pretty much. So that was 1979 it debuted, so yeah, it's two years yeah. after this. Yeah, I, th I think part of this, and this is only from dim memory, it may be because around that time, I remember being a kid at that time, and, and big rig trucks were huge. That was just a thing. Yeah, that whole CB radio stuff and, and the big rig trucks and all of that, they're in movies, they're in TV, and it was maybe this rode the wave of that a little bit or something like that perhaps. The, um, the peak of... CB radio use or the popularity surge in CB radio use is because of this movie. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, there you go. All cool. Right. I remember the, the theme song being on the radio. It was on the radio all the time. Oh, my gosh. What a good song. The Eastbound and Down one. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Great song. And sung by Snowman. Sung by the Snowman. Absolutely. Yeah. So there you go. Actually, I think 
three the three songs in this movie, or three of the songs in this movie, mm-hmm. uh, Jerry Reed songs. Yeah. But uh, Eastbound and Down, what a great song. Um, so he actually wrote that for the movie, and the studio didn't like it because they thought it was a bit country. And so they swapped all the music out with instrumental score, and they got reversed once they watched the movie with right. that score. I think it was uh, Hal Needham, the director, who made them take it all out and put the music back in. Okay. And I think that music really adds to this movie quite a lot. Yeah, for sure. Definitely amps up the fun because it's you know it's it's just a good song. It's a banger, as the kids say. <laughs> Uh, okay. Um, now I've got a question for you, Brian, because okay. you are um, well, a little older than me. I'm qu- being quizzed today. Go. Mm. <laughs> From my memory, I, I think the answer is no, but you may remember better. Uh, did we ever get the honeymooners in New Zealand? I I've never seen it on TV in New Zealand. Yeah, I feel Even like we didn't get it. anything um, as a kid. TV came to these parts a little bit after that. <laughs> yeah, Honeymoon just predates us by a long way, but I don't recall ever having um, having seen it. Right, so for, know, it, was, it was years even before I'd, I'd read anywhere that even the Flintstones was taken from that. You know, yeah, that's been okay. So from what I read, that Fred Flintstone is definitely based on Jackie Gleason's character from that, but Flintstones is not supposed to actually be a parody of that, mm-hmm. according to Hannah or Barbera, one of them. Mm-hmm. But um. I was just going to say for Clayton's reference, uh, Sheriff Buford T. Justice <laughs> uh, was a very famous American actor, and he starred in a sitcom, a very early sitcom called The Honeymooners. Uh, and his character in that is what Fred Flintstone was oh. modeled after. Cool. Um, to the point where apparently with this movie, Smokey and the Bandit, for the TV dub, because I guess they had to change a lot of things back then for TV, as they did right up until probably the 90s. Uh, most of the cast came back to redub lines for TV. Jackie Gleason didn't, uh, but they got the guy who was the second voice of Fred Flintstone to come and do his lines. So I thought that was a cool little full circle type of thing for this movie. Um, but anyway, we're... Going off track. So, um, Jared, did you have anything else? Or? Uh, no. I think, okay. I, think I, but, I think I butted in um, on, on what Clayton was going to say. Go on, Clayton. Oh, yeah. I just wanted to say like how awesome uh, Burt Reynolds' moustache was. It was just amazing. What about the girdle he wore under his shirt to hold his stomach in? <laughs> <laughs> that was the true MVP of the movie. Oh. And also the dog was awesome as well. Yes. Yes, the dog was awesome. But um Best supporting dog. Yep. I think the majority of this cast is actually really, really good. Um mm-hmm. Sally Field was good. Uh Jackie Gleason was great. He I think he was the standout for me. He's probably the character who doesn't date well out of this whole movie. Oh, no. Um because <laughs> no, he's no, well no. actually we're not from uh, that area, I don't want to say Midwest in case I'm wrong, but, you know, that Atlanta and Texas area. So maybe maybe it's not out of date, eh? Uh, stereotypes, but I don't know. Um, I mean, the bandit also has a Confederate flag on his... Uh, yeah, I noticed that too. Plate. Yep. Yeah. 
Yep. So very Dukes of Hazard there too. Um, kind of right on the roof of the General Lee, if I remember correctly. <laughs> yes, and that's brought up in the movie of Dukes of Hazard where everyone gives them shit about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think, yeah, I think his character is the thing that dates it the most, or or the thing you couldn't do now as much. Maybe. The Asian truck driver shouting bonsai as he crashes into his car. <laughs> yeah, because for a minute I was like, is that the guy from Police Academy? Because that was a whole thing in Police Academy, right? Clayton would know. Yes, um, I believe so. And uh, then um, the scene, especially where Sheriff Justice uh, rear ends the, um, the cop car that's hanging over the bridge. Oh. And he's like, where's your sheriff? And the black guy is the sheriff. And he goes, I'm the sheriff. And he goes, because he's talking to the white guy who's the deputy mm-hmm. as if he's the sheriff. And, and the, the black cop's like, I'm the sheriff. And he's like, oh, um, you sounded taller on the radio. And I was like, oh, my <laughs> gosh. <laughs> taller. Just, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's that's what you sounded. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was that hasn't dated well. But overall, I think it's it's not too bad. I think it holds up really well, like I said. It's I think maybe just fun. some of the some of the comments towards Sally Field's character. Maybe well, not I was thinking about that too. But because there's that scene where, where Snowman turns around and he's talking to Burt Reynolds and he says, hey, Bandit, nice ass. And then Sally Field turns around and goes, why, thank you, sir. And I was like, that's great. See, she completely owned it. So, I don't know. Cowboys like big calves. Yes, that was weird. <laughs> that was so weird. Talking about um, her legs. Yeah. Oh, um, but they, did you think those two had good chemistry? I mean, they obviously dated in real life yeah. for a while in the 70s, yeah, but that was after the this. Time, I think. Oh, yeah. did they? So, mm. mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. She's in three movies with him where she plays his um, girlfriend. From Lesotho, started at this movie, yeah? I don't think they knew each other before this movie because I know he rung her up to be in the movie. She wanted to do it. Because, from what she said, uh, no, she was she wanted to be portrayed as an attractive person in a movie because she had been in other movies, and I think casting directors and producers were thinking she was plain or not attractive. Oh, okay. And it was one of the reasons she thought, well, if Burt Reynolds has rung me to be in the movie, because apparently he had a crush on her, I believe, uh, and people see me with him in the movie and he's this big Hollywood star. He's like a proper box office star and, you know, a bit of a sex symbol or whatever. Then people are going to think I'm attractive by default because he f- thinks I'm attractive in the movie. Oh, that makes yeah. sense. Well, she she was the flying nun. So, you know, that's kind of yeah. get away from being the flying nun, right? Mm-hmm. That was actually a thing, by the way, if anybody ever heard was. of the flying nun. We should Whole do TV some series around that. movies. Hmm. She flew. Clayton's like mind is blowing. Like, like yeah, like I'm like like a nun nun, like go yeah, to church like, and stuff. Like sister act. Well yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And she yeah. flies. And she flies. Yeah. Is it like a horror movie? No, it's a TV series. It was a comedy. Google it. Is she like a superhero um, or something? Her habit. No. The the head part of the habit. Yeah. It's yeah. yeah. Flies. It's like a helicopter, like Inspector Gadget. No. You'd More like Wings, I believe. I haven't watched it. You're kind of going to have to YouTube it, I think. You to, are. To really Crazy. appreciate it. Mind blown. Old style comedy. All right. So um, so the setup of the movie, nice and simple. 
the guys are challenged. Well, it starts with a bootlegger getting caught uh, with a truck full of cores. Great product placement. Lots of it. <laughs> and yeah. Lots of it. Um, the whole movie. <laughs> the whole, yeah, it's basically an ad for cores. Yeah, the whole um, thing just to get a big truck of shitty beer. <laughs> across the across uh, east of Texas or whatever it was. Sales would have pumped a after this movie, surely. Yeah, well, you couldn't get that beer legitimately um, in certain states because it wasn't a pasteurized beer, so it had to be refrigerated constantly. Oh, so for a real? Lot of, so a lot of states banned the beer. It wasn't technically bootlegging you, to take it anywhere. It wasn't, like, illegal. But there was some movie that... Hal Needham was on as a stuntman and one of the drivers or the, the lead driver on that movie uh, had got someone to bring a truckload of cores down and he thought, man, that'd make a good idea for a movie. And so the premise of the movie basically is Big Enos and Little Enos uh, <laughs> who are running a car rodeo want some cores and uh so far, no one's been able to to get it to them without the um, cops or Smokies um, pulling them over and confiscating it. And Bandit is Burt Reynolds, who is a, well, we find out, legendary uh, truck driver and probably bootlegger. And they approach him to do this run. And he's got a certain amount of hours to get to Texarkana, uh, Texarkana, right? And back uh, with the truck full of um, of booze. So he sort of swindles them a little bit and makes them buy him this amazing Trans Am. Yes. Which I just want so badly, as much as I've ever wanted a Knight Rider's car. Um, and uh, and they um, take the take the job it's supposed to pay 80 grand and uh he gets his brother-in-law to um be the truck driver and he drives the trans am as their blocker to distract any cops along the way to but steal what, just to steal a truckload of a truckload as, as jared says <laughs> shitty beer i'm not a beer drinker i'm not going to comment on whether cause is shitty or not but um and that's basically the setup of the movie. Little did they know, however, that they would be um, meeting along the way a runaway bride in the form of Sally Field's character who goes on to be called Frog. And the <laughs> the sheriff, who is hell-bent on finding her because he ran out on... Uh, is it his son? It's his son, right? Justice, Junior Justice. Yep. Um and uh, he's not going to stand for it. Just happens that Burt Reynolds, Bandit, has picked her up. So not exactly a, a good spot to be in when you're trying to smuggle a truckload of cores into... Jeez, uh, where were they going? Was it Atlanta? All of those states just Across melded into one. multiple state lines. It is multiple states. Into Texarkana, then back through... To Atlanta, I think. Yeah, yeah, Georgia, I think that's right. Hmm. Yeah, they all just um, blew up for me because geographically challenged. <laughs> yeah, so that's the premise, and um, yeah, basically what ensues is uh, ninety-five minutes ish of uh, excellent stunt work and high-speed chases, and 
Um, well, as Clayton says, a few boring parts. I didn't have any boring parts personally. I don't know about Brian and Jared. No, no, not at all. No, not really. No. I, d- I did think though that Buford had a point because, as as he said, he paid forty bucks to decorate the town for the wedding. <laughs> yeah. $40. Hey, that's forty bucks in nineteen seventy seven money. Mm-hmm. Forty so dollars. That's at least quadruple. Mm-hmm. Surely. So yeah, that's why you chase the bride across, or runaway bride across several states. Oh my gosh, it was ridiculous. Like the the first thing I thought was, you're out of your jurisdiction, and that was brought up quite quickly by the police in the next state. Is that a real thing? Well, that that'd be state police, I guess. Okay. Yeah. But I believe I thought uh, maybe it depends on the crime, and again, I'm no lawyer, and certainly not in the American system, but. Uh, I thought if the pursuit started in your state, you, you just could keep follow on going it through. In. That was my understanding from from all my research in cops and other such shows. But um, I could be very, very wrong on that. So who knows? But he doggedly pursued them anyway across at least three states, I believe. And uh, his car just suffered constantly for it. Um, from the outset. The Trans Am was perfectly fine the whole way through, though. Oh, yeah. No matter how many things it crashed through. It was fine in the movie, but in real life, they totaled three. Mm -hmm. What? And the fourth one, they had to, like, literally push across the line. No way. To get to, yeah. They were ruined. That would have Um, taken up a big part of the budget. No, um, Pontiac... um, Gave them cars to use. <laughs> of course they did. Not as many. Well, because it's product placement, right? Yeah, hard, um, like cause. <laughs> yeah, when they, run a cop, buy a Trans Am. They didn't want to do it originally. Then when they asked for 10, or no, they asked for five or so. I can't remember how many, but they were given four. And then they were given a few of the cars that um, Sheriff Justice um, drives around in as well. Um. Obviously, in the next movie, because this one was such a hit, they got however many they asked for. Um, just a question. Mm-hmm. Has anybody seen number two? No, but I actually really want to, even though I know it is a downgrade. Is uh, it about getting clam chowder? No, I, I looked it up, and I don't think it is, and I was oh. really disappointed. Oh, stink. Okay. Because they completely set up the sequel, because, yeah. spoiler, I guess, but... The guys make it, uh, they make the run, they get there just in the nick of time, deliver the cause, and instead of getting paid, Big and Little Enos say, double or nothing, we want some clam chowder, you got to get it from, I think it's Boston? Boston, yeah. And so, do you want to do another run? And that's where it ends. They basically take off, they have a little convo with Sheriff Justice while parked right beside him, which is great. Uh, and and take off. And I thought, wow, you've set up a sequel back in 1977 before that sort of thing was done. That's where but I thought it was going to hit him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it doesn't really matter what they're going for in the end, does it? It's, it's all about the stunts. <laughs> it's all about the stunts and the, the driving. So mm-hmm. it's like a Fast and the Furious movie. You can put a nuclear submarine in if you want. Whatever, it is the worst movie. But, it's about family. Mm. Yeah, it's about family and driving cars in ridiculous ways. So this is like a precursor, even though there was an original Fast and the Furious. Um, yeah. 
So, What's, was anyone else's favorite gag? His son holding his hat for like half. <laughs> that was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. He's driving. I enjoyed watching the stuntman <laughs> holding the hat too. Whenever there was stunt driving going on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm the stuntman. What did you do? I held the hat. <laughs> and then at the end, when he goes, "Get out of my car," and he's like, "But who's going to hold your hat?" <laughs> it was just so good because they called back to it really well. Um, he was my least favorite character because he did nothing the whole movie, yeah. except for hold the hat. And put the door in the back. Oh yeah, that's true. He 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 did did put the evidence in the back. Yeah, yeah. Um, What did you say? He was at the the center of one of the lines, which I admit made me laugh out loud, and it shouldn't do. And you would never get away with today, which is the one where he's just standing there, Buford's looking at him, standing out the side of the car, and going, "When I get home, I'm going to punch your mother in the mouth." Oh, I know. I know. I was like, "Oh, you can say that now," Mm -hmm. Um, but. My gosh, I was thinking I really want to watch The Honeymooners to the point where I've I've secured a copy. Because um, I just, man, being on a TV sitcom and then playing this character, who I've got to imagine is wildly separated from his character in The Honeymooners, uh, I was just surprised. This is my first um, exposure to Jackie Gleason. I haven't seen him in anything else. So I'm very interested to watch that now. But yeah, that line, that made me go, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> so that was, yeah, it was good. Yeah, a, a 70s line. He, he was actually, that was one thing about him that, that took me out of the movie a little bit. He was too much? Criticism. A little bit sometimes, but I kept hearing him. And I'm no expert on, and on accents. I'm, I'm a Kiwi. For goodness sake, um, I kept hearing him as a New Yorker attempting to sound like someone from Texas, like a southerner. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I kept hearing it in his voice and going, "Yeah, I, it, it took me out of it." Then it, it felt like a role, if you know what I mean. Seems, yeah, seems a good thing. For me, it was more like, yeah, the accent was very pronounced, like he was putting it on. Mm. Um, yeah, but yeah, I don't know. It was more he was. I mean, to a point, snowman. Frog, Bandit, they're all like pretty grounded characters, like pretty mm. realistic characters. Yeah. And he's like the cartoon. Yeah, he's, he's the larger than life. He's the, and you're supposed to kind of not cheer for him. You're not supposed to hate him, I don't think. I guess for me, it's sort of like. Buy in, you know. Yeah, it's sort of like, um, oh, blimey, his name escapes me from Police Academy. The um, the captain who's always the foil of the, the oh, jokes. Yes. Um, yeah, um, not Commodore Lassard. No, no, not Lassard. The the actual one that looks after them, oh, like right. the direct report. Okay. Um, My blank. Um, Clayton probably knows. It's supposed to be his favorite movie after Greece. But oh, that's going to annoy me. I'm going to look it up now. Sorry, it's a divert. But it's sort of like that. Um, he's just the sort of. Maybe that's a bad example. I don't know. But yeah, he's the cartoon of this movie for me. You're kind of the, the caricature character. So yeah, very much so. Yeah. I, I love the way he, um, there's the one cop who like pulls him over and says, you like can't go through the roadblock and everything. And he just rips into him. And by yeah, the well, end, they're cops ripping like, into him. Yeah. yeah. And then at the end, the other cop just like apologizes to him. He's yeah. like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize who you were. Yeah. It was a great scene. He just let loose. You've got to love that piece of timing too for the um, 
for effectively bleeping out the word. Yes, Izzy. Oh, yeah, it was so that, good. Yes, yeah. you're a piece of timing. Especially because the whole rant is about mm-hmm. not using that language mm-hmm. yeah. in front of his son. Exactly. And then it ends with him using the language. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah, nice. Oh, man. Um, and it's great how they're just driving around with like no roof on the car for like half the movie. Yeah, forever. Because <laughs> it's, it's evidence. You've got to keep it. <laughs> And it was very early on they lost the roof and turned that car into a convertible. Mm-hmm. Got to admire the stunt work, though. There's some great stunt work in this. Um, yeah, well, I mean, directed by a stuntman. Mm. It's just set piece to set piece, which is what I was going to say to Clayton, where you said it was like driving, action, fun, excitement, boring part, and then rinse and repeat. Yeah. It's because it's a set piece movie, isn't it? It's, it's like Fast and the Furious. Mm. Big set piece, family. Big set piece. Yeah. Talking. Advance the plot. Yeah. Yeah. Just the plot. Enough. That's very generous. I know. Uh, but yeah, it's, I don't know. I I think it had a really good pace to it. I didn't find any parts boring. I mean, Snowman, the one funny thing I found was he's the one who's keeping his eye on the clock, right? Mm-hmm. He's like, we're yeah. about 30 minutes ahead of schedule or whatever. But then he's going to stop off and have a sit down lunch. And then he gets into a bar fight. But, um, yes, because the dog bit somebody, supposedly. <laughs> yeah, and then it's it becomes scary. a whole thing. Um, I keep wondering, when, when does he sleep? When does he rest? Well, what was what was the time limit? Was it 24 hours? 20, 20, 28 hours. So 28 hours, yeah. You know, 14 there, 14 back. Yes, you couldn't do that over here because our hours get logged as a truck driver. Not ours, I'm not a truck driver. But, um, nah, daddy yeah. is. Um, you got a you got a truck full of stolen beer. Rules go out the window. <laughs> yeah, you're already breaking the law anyway. Uh, so, yeah, I am uh, struggling with this police academy thing. So keep rambling about this. Um, smoking the bandit, Lieutenant Harris. Is that the one you're thinking of? Is it? I don't know. I'm just looking up ca- um, cast lists, and I can't remember. I'm just feeling like um, I know it's not Melzer. Anyway, we're not talking about Police Academy. We should do Police Academy one day. That movie is fondly remembered. Well, it's Clayton's pick today. You never know. You never know. Oh, yeah. Okay, but anyway, let's talk about Little Enos for a little minute. Um, I don't know why I'd use the little word too much. Um, he is a very little person. Not He's not actually a little person, but he is very he's short. Diminutive human. Diminutive. That's a good one. Um, so actually, no, one thing I want to talk about before I talk about him 15 minutes into the movie, quite possibly, and I'm stepping over a user comment, but I agree totally, quite possibly the best fourth wall breaking in a movie because it is done so subtly. Oh, when he eludes the cop. Yeah, he eludes the cop. He's Mm. hiding behind the building like we do in GTA. (laughs) And I was like, this is ridiculous. This is exactly what we do. This movie would make such a cool mission in GTA. (laughs) 400 cases of beer. You have the Trans Am. You've got to get to <laughs> the, the other truck. end of the map. Got to You've got to dog. steal the truck and get it back through all the roadblocks. And one of your team is a blocker. It'll be so fun. Uh, anyway. Steal um, the truck, steal the beer, yep. steal the car, off you go, make it home. Yep. Hard. And then just cause chaos along the way. Um, but yeah, so he's eluded the cops. He sort of has a chuckle and then he looks directly to the camera before he takes off. And I was like, that is so perfectly done. I keep thinking it was a very Warner Brothers moment. It's a Warner Brothers cartoon moment, that one. Yeah, and that so. was not Jackie Gleason. Um, but it was 
I just loved it so much yeah, because it it, they never did it again. Mm-hmm. It was a one and done, and it was brilliant. Um, so anyway, Paul Williams, who plays Little Enos, is actually a very famous person. Yes. Uh, so, Clayton. Yeah, man. Do you know the song Rainbow Connection by Kermit the Frog? Sing it for me. I will. Uh, I'm not going to do that. Like if I How is that it? not an automatic yes? Everyone who's listening to this podcast, that should be an automatic yes. Like, I know of the Muppets. I'm not a huge Muppet fan. But it's the Rainbow Connection. Okay. Um, it's a Muppet. All right. So, not including Clayton. Also, we've only just begun by the Carpenters. Hold up. Does Jared know the Rainbow Connection song? It rings a bell, but I wouldn't be able to like sing it. Okay. It's the most famous song a frog ever sung, first of all. Um, now, uh, we've only just begun by the Carpenters, and a few songs on the debut album of Daft Punk were co-written, oh, and the Star, uh, Star is Born, the Barbra Streisand version, which the song for that won an Oscar, all co-written by Little Enos. So he's actually a very famous uh, musician, a very famous and awarded writer, songwriter. Um, Did he do this, any, any songs on this movie? No, Jerry Reed, who plays Snowman, the truck driver. He did all of them. He did the main songs for this movie. Okay. When, when the movie started, I did have a moment where it was, that's Paul Williams, because in the 70s, again, I'm old. I admit this. He was all over TV in the seventies. They would do like variety shows, and even just TV shows. He would turn up and like yep. guest guest stars in things like Dukes of Hazard or Smokey and the Bear or was on the Love Boat and stuff like that. Well, Which speaking of that, really? he yeah. uh, he wrote the theme for the Love Boat. Oh, now I know that song, the Love Boat. Oh, come on! Soon we'll be. Oh, come on! The Love Boat. Right, so yeah, that one, um, and more. So um, coming soon, the Heritage Film Club sings the hits. <laughs> Clayton sings that. Hey, we've already got our entrepreneurial thing before the end. For all of you people who clearly don't listen to the end of our shows, we're putting it here in the middle, probably the middle. Um, that's going to be our new thing. Yeah, now that um, our- now that Clayton's posts a band on OnlyFans, he's um. We've got, we've got to find another revenue stream. Nah, hey, oh. hey, I'm allowed back on OnlyFans now. Well, they, re- no. they reversed the decision. <laughs> oh, I heard it was still allowed nudity, just not allowed to be sexually explicit. Well, it's the worst business decision ever, but whatever. Oh. I know we, it definitely didn't your income. I'm relieved by that because Clayton, I was going to have to ask you for my money back. I... Uh, now you got lifetime subs, so suckers, I keep your money. <laughs> it's not even mates' rates. Thanks for that. Oh, man. Okay, so what do you think of the bridge jump? I think in 1977 that would have been more impressive than it is now, again, because I, of movies like Fast and the Furious. I enjoyed the bit where you can clearly see that a bit of the car breaks when it lands. Um, <laughs> yes. yeah, it t- they totaled that car, that one jump. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they, okay. I, I can imagine, yeah. It, yep. Again, it was a little jukes of hazard in that. How do you get that much elevation from just driving on a flat road? I heard they had put a rocker booster of some description Get onto the, the car, out of here, but for real. I don't know. I don't know if that's true. Okay. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. Um, that's one other thing. Fast and Furious, Fast Night ship. Yeah, it's hitting the nitrous. Uh, but yeah, it was. 
I think it's funny because like you expect what's going to happen is they're going to go over, the cops are going to not make the jump, go in the water. Yep. But I don't know if like back then, if you're watching it for the first time, you would have expected it if it had been done that much before this. Yeah, because I mean, it's clearly it's in a road trip. They do yeah. a very similar bridge, in fact. Yeah, and it's a very slapstick thing to do. Yeah, yeah, it's it's I think very parodied or very homaged now, hmm. but that was the stunt of the movie, and I think it looks really good. It's filmed nicely, and Sally Field's reaction was great mm-hmm. after it, yeah. where she's just completely buzzing about it. Um, maybe Clayton, one scene that took me out of the movie because I. Uh, I don't know if it was needed. You could have probably done it a better way was when they stop again, they're on the clock, but they stop to have a frolic. Take off uh, your hat. Yeah. If you want to, Oy, that, <laughs> they, they already had the chemistry in the car. <laughs> like you didn't need to go make a point of it and start a whole extra relationship. <laughs> oh, it was so unnecessary. It was just like, yeah, we get you like each other. And by the end of the movie, you're going to drive off together. So we don't really need this. Um, she's, li- she's lying across the front seat. Clearly no seatbelts required at 120 miles an hour. Nope. In 1977. Nope. Safety. Safety. Yeah. It's like, you know, we'll just switch seats while we're driving at 100 plus. Yes. Because why not? Because yep. we can. Because as soon as we hit a roadblock, you're going through that windscreen. <laughs> And over over the the cop cars (laughs) yeah, Um, and across the blacktop. I don't know if this is something you had in your trivia um, about that sort of scene and the link to Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. There's um, Brad Pitt's character when he's got that crazy cult girl in the car. And I think like in the way that shot, it's very similar to this movie because obviously um, Burt Reynolds was going to be in that movie, but he died before he had the chance so yep. I think it's sort of like an homage to it in the movie, like the way she gets in the car, the way she's sitting, feet on the dashboard, and uh, once yep. upon a time in Hollywood, it's like exactly the same. See, me, I'm just thinking, oh, that's just a Tarantino foot fetish thing. Yeah. So I completely overlooked I mean, it, it. It can be a mixture of both, but I think it sort of he t- 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 took parts of that. That's probably Tarantino's favorite scene in this movie, to be fair. <laughs> wouldn't, be su- wouldn't surprise me. It has to be, has to be. Um, one trivia though that I thought was quite interesting Jackie Gleason was offered a percentage of the gross rather than a straight salary mm-hmm. but he took the salary which ended up costing him millions of dollars mm. so he took the flat fee Ouch. and that happened in another movie we watched recently I believe never I take the flat was. fee never take the flat fee no. unless you have no faith in the movie which he mustn't have even with music, never take the flat fee. Take points on music tracks. Make more money. <laughs> and that's our next side venture, Clayton's <laughs> Clayton's financial um, advice. This well, is not financial nice. advice. This is all for it entertainment. Is. No, you can't because you get sued. Not financial advice whatsoever. <laughs> he is not a consultant. Uh, um, while we're talking about money, just to cycle yes. back to something that Clayton talked about earlier, I did a little mm. bit of Googling. On the Cannibal Run, which was also made by Hal Needham, yep. um, Burt Reynolds made $5 million for four weeks' work. Far out! Um, and then he said, and there's a quote in here, and I'm looking from IMDb, I did that film for all the wrong reasons. I never liked it. I did it to help out a friend of mine, Hal Needham, and I also felt it was immoral to turn down that kind of money. 
<laughs> did it for the paycheck. Much respect nice. for that. Yeah, man. For yeah. admitting that. I'd have I really want to read. I'd have one tomorrow from... who's turning down that money. Oh, yeah, I, I'd, I'd be sleepless nights. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You would go and punch do his I mother take... in the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you'd do. Why did you read your son like this? Boom. <laughs> Why did you turn down $5 million? Oh, man. Um, to the moon. So, um, talking about Dukes of Hazard, though, there were three Dukes of Hazard cameos in this movie, although at the time they weren't cameos because Dukes of Hazard, as we established, was not made yet. Um, but did you notice that, Brian? Go on then, test me. Okay. Um, all right. So, I'm probably going to butcher some names. Sonny Schroyer, aka Enos Strait, which would have been Big Enos. Now, this one you should know Pa Kent. John Schneider, he was Park Kent, right? Or was that the other yeah. one? Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. In, in Smallville, yeah. And, in Smallville, uh, yeah. Who was he? Bo, Bo Duke. He was Bo Duke. Mm-hmm. Um, he was in it as a cameo. Which bit? I didn't see uh, that. He played a mechanic, so it was probably a blink and you'll miss it part. Oh, okay, all right. When cameos were really cameos. Mm-hmm. Um, and someone else. <laughs> oh, I remember him, yeah. Doesn't matter. John Schneider's the one anyway. John Schneider's like, yeah. Yeah. right, back, watch it again. Read yeah. it again, watch it. Then nearly two decades later, John Schneider played the sheriff in one of four television adaptions of um, Bandit. So what, did they make Smoking the Bandit TV show? Should look that up. Wow, should do. Mm, maybe. I'm on it. Yep, good. Um, and Burt Reynolds would go on to play Boss Hogg in the Dukes of Hazard movie. There you go. That had oh. Johnny Knoxville and Stifler if I'm not mistaken, um, Sean William Scott. And of course, in Jigsaw Hazard, there was a main character named Enos, for what that's worth. Oh, and there you go. See? They're all like, it's like it's just the TV version of this movie. It's like it's like a whole Smoking the Bandit universe. Mm-hmm. So um, $80,000, which was the payday promise to Snowman and Bandit if they pulled off the um, bootleg, uh, would be $337,000. A little bit more now. That was 2019 money. So that's pretty hefty payday for 28 hours of work. Would you take that offer? I know. That truck and that Trans Am both, like you said, suffered no damage. Uh, Snowman got into one fist fight. So it's pretty legit. Yeah. I'd take it. Yep. They mentioned um, one of my favorite catchphrases. I heard it in another movie once. Probably Dukes of Hazard, actually. Um, and it's uh, um, uh, Kojak with a Kodak. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I love that um, thing because even when I was a young guy, I could figure out what that meant mm-hmm. yeah. before knowing all you know, of like, yeah, I felt sure. so smart. Mm-hmm. Um, Clayton, I've got a question for you. Go for it. So being that it's Smokey and the Bandit, did you figure that... Smokey was the cop and Bandit was the Bandit? Or did you think one of those was a nickname for the car? Or I originally was... thought that Smokey was going to be Snowman. Ah, okay. So you get introduced to Bandit when at the festival, and I was like, okay, there's Bandit. Um, but then I was like, oh, so his friend must be Smokey. See, for me, never having seen the movie and just assuming things... <laughs> I thought but Reynolds was smoky and the car was bandit because the car 
in the promotional stuff says the bandit on it. I thought the exact same thing. I was oh, thinking did you? that one of them was going to be the car. Yeah. Like Michael Knight and Kit. Yeah. Oh, yep, yeah. yep. But uh, no. It, yeah, so because um, obviously from where we live, smoky is not a common term for an officer of the law. And obviously not because our cops don't wear those hats. So there are other terms lived, for them, but not the that one. Seventies CB craze, you'd have known. Smokey was the cop. Oh, uh, see, there you go. Didn't watch enough Dukes of Hazard or no. things that predated this, this movie. Is true. Yeah, you were born too late. It's not your fault. Well, I've got Dukes of Hazard on DVD. I just probably never got around to cracking it open. I'm so, doing Smokey yeah. and the Bandit research here, by the way. I have I have uh, facts for you. Good. If you want them, we'd always want them. Okay, if you really want to dive into the entire length and breadth of Smokey and the Bandit. There's a yes. lot. Yep. I Smokey saw a big box set. Yeah, would you pay for it? I wonder. Nope. Because you've got Smokey and the Bandit, Smokey and the Bandit right again, aka Smokey and the Bandit 2. I'll come to the plot summary of that in a second. Smokey and the Bandit 3. Uh, three TV movies. Uh, one called Bandit, Bandit, Bandit. I kid you not. Wow. Uh, Bandit Goes Country and Bandit Silver Angel. I doubt they get any better. So John Schneider was probably in one of those. I suspect he was in one of those. I haven't dug quite far enough into that. I'm looking at trying to figure out. Was I'm just any of the title it? And you went bandit, bandit, bandit. Was any of it to get clam chowder? <laughs> no, and I'm disappointed by this because I have found the plot summary for Smoking the Bandit right again. I know we've veered again off topic. No, no, that's uh, good. And I will. It's not a long summary. It's been a few years since Cletus and the Bandit made their famous 28-hour run to Texas for a few cases of Coors. Bandit is now a washed-up has-been living in the past until Big Enus and Little Enus make him another offer. Transport a live elephant across country in three days or less. Okay, I'm watching that. <laughs> elephant! Right. GTA is off tonight. Sorry, Clayton. I've, I've got to watch. Yeah. I've got to watch that. Just looking uh, through the cast list, uh, it does have Sheriff Buford T. Justice, Jackie he's, he's in all three, I think. Yeah. There's uh, Burt Reynolds, Jerry Reed, Sally Field, Paul Williams is little Enos again. It does not say who plays the elephant. Boo. I want to know oh, who no. the elephant is. Rude. There you go. There is a whole... Does this count as a genre on its own? Is that enough? Humor me. What's number Always. three about? Because okay. <laughs> if we got please. beer and elephant, what are we topping okay. it off with? They just got to go okay. up and up, like in Fast and Furious. Hard. Yeah, What's the next crazy? one? Oh. I'm expecting the nuke. Basically, uh, they are all three years apart. By the way, you've got 77, 1980, and 1983, and in Smokey and the Bandit Part Three in 1983. Uh... Right. Okay. Hmm. Sorry, I was looking for Bert, and I couldn't find him in the cast, but he's there. <clears throat> Excuse me. Big Enus and Little Enus have opened a seafood restaurant and want to promote oh. it in their usual fashion. Chowder. Maybe chowder, chowder. The bandit is unavailable this time, though, so they enlist Buford. Trigger is brought out of mothballs. I don't know what trigger is. A large fish is, fish is strapped to the roof of the car, and a new bandit is on his way to another cross, wild cross-country run. But where there is the bandit, there is Sheriff Buford T. Justice. Hang on, hang on, hang on. A big what? So, hang on, the hang on. Alligator. A fish. A fish. A big a fish. fish. Hang on. <laughs> so Bert Reynolds isn't in number three. No, he is in number three, and he's listed in here. We're probably doing spoilers for ourselves here now. Um, he's listed in the cast as the real bandit. Sally okay. Field, to her credit, does not appear to be in this one. <laughs> We're gonna put oh, a fish. Really? I think she might have won an Oscar by that point and gone. 
No, yeah. just no. I'm never going to be. Tuna. I'm I never going to be Forrest Gump's mum if I strap yeah. a fish to the car. True. Oh. Yes, she did not win the Oscar for one of these. Um, tuna. And uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Big tuna. That's an office only, reference it, to any office listeners out there. It's the only fish I can think of. A tuna, a whale, or a shark. Big a whale is not a fish. To okay. strap on top of a car. Just scanning down here. It also includes a character named Purvis uh, Beethoven. So take from that what you will. Um, okay, I think... I'm out. Now, Jared, who from Punch the Timeline, go and listen to their podcast um, or follow them on Twitter at Timeline Punch. Uh, who recommended this movie for us to watch, said to me the other day that he was flicking through TV and number three happened to be on. And he did not have good things to say about it. <laughs> really? No. Oh, uh, big tuna be? or not? The, uh, who doesn't love a big fish? Well, we know Clayton does. Right. <laughs> and, t- and two enuses. What, what's, the, what's, the, um, what's the plural of enus? Is it eni? <laughs> I, I, I feel like uh, we have to watch it. <laughs> uh, special episode coming up, a non-numbered one. Oh dear, um, I definitely want to watch number two because I just have to. Because it's like an Sally elephant. Field. Yeah, it's an elephant. Um, you take a bullet for all of us, like when you watch the four-hour Snyder cut, and you come back and tell us what the fish was like. Yeah, that was the thing I did. And the elephant. That's what I want to uh, know. Okay, I've got some more trivia. Um, so Mike Henry, who plays Junior Justice, who basically does nothing but hold a hat for the movie, starred as Tarzan in three movies in the long-running franchise, <laughs> in which he must have done more. Uh, his predecessor in the role of Tarzan was Jock Mahoney, which means nothing until you realize he is Sally Field's stepfather. So that's a nice little circular Weird. thing to... Six Degrees of Sally Field. There you go. Um, also, I'd like to point out that while we're talking about Sally Field and how she's Forrest Gump's mum, Clayton's latest episode of The Weekend Readers, he reviews Gump & Co., the sequel novel to Forrest Gump. Go and check that out at The Weekend Readers. You're Cheers. welcome, Clayton. And it's a fine review. It Thank is. You. It is. And it's a fine book. It is actually a really good book. Um, now, uh... How much of this got? podcast has been about Smokey and the Bandit. Yeah, I know. Jared's probably going to be really angry. <laughs> but okay, let's just do a quick round. So, no, actually, we'll save that till the end because it'll basically be our, our thumbs. This is also Norm MacDonald's favorite movie. Funny man. He is. Now, let's see what else. I had my second COVID shot today, so I'm a little bit um, unfocused. Not because of the shot, just because it was a hectic day. Um, haven't grown a second head yet, but my government tracker is firmly embedded in my body now. I've lost my place, so I don't know. Um, no one ever is going to give us a listener pick again, so hopefully Jared's not too angry. But should we do our thumbs for this movie? We should. We should? Okay. Let's start with Jared. Um... This is a tough one. I think I came into it thinking I was going to go with this, but I think for me it's a one. Oh, really? Okay. Well, that's Someone has to, has to bring it down a little bit. I think Clayton's going to do that. You sound so disappointed with the one, Mike. 
No, one's good. One's good because Jared does do halves. So yeah, he does. We'll give it one. Okay, um, Brian. One and a half. Okay, so I, I laughed a lot. I didn't laugh that much at anything for a long time. A lot of it, as I say, was stupid laughing because it's just laughing at daft things. But it was entertaining. Yeah, but see, it's not it's not stupid laughs as in. Oh, okay, no, I can't. Use yeah, I was, I was laughing like um, laughing like an idiot. Basically, is what I mean. Um, yeah, it's not like just, a it's not like it's setting out to be a stupid comedy, like say a no, Will Ferrell movie. No, it's not like at all. a legit some, comedy, but it's like the an action comedy. Really sharp. I actually wondered how much of it was ad libbed. A lot, apparently. Things. You know, uh, yeah, I figure it would be because you know Burt Reynolds when he's naming her frog and he's just throwing those lines out. And it, yeah, one and a half. Good laugh. It's movie. it's uh, hard to tell because there's contradicting trivia mm-hmm. but sally field accepted the role before there was a finished script okay. um she then went on to say in later life that they basically didn't use the script and they improved the majority okay jackie gleason apparently improved the majority of his stuff which i would actually believe mm. uh, and so it's hard to say but i would say it's clear that a majority of it was improved and the scene in the cafe, which is one of my favorite scenes, where Smokey's having, oh, sorry, not Smokey, Bandit is having um, lunch. Yeah. And Sheriff Justice comes in to grab some food and go to the toilet. And he has a whole conversation with Bandit. And Bandit pays for his lunch yeah. because you're an officer of the law and we respect you. So I'm <laughs> going to pay for your lunch. Yeah, so it's just great. Yeah. I loved it. Um, that apparently that scene was completely ablibbed, head libbed. Okay, um, my score is solid one and a half because I would totally watch this movie again. I would buy the Blu-ray. I really, really had fun watching this movie. Um, but again, there's the unnecessary scene. Um, I don't know. There's. It's not a two, but it's a, a definitely a solid high one and a half. Mm-hmm. Nice. Um, Clayton, I give it a one. Okay, for the mustache, the cars, <laughs> the dog. Yeah, give it not a not being Tom Selleck. Yeah, not being Tom Selleck or Burt Reynolds. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, somebody like the girdle. All right. Um, so that gives us that's five out of five. Eight. Five, Five out of eight. Which is a What's good that score? Sixty-two and a half percent. Sixty-two. Hopefully, Jared, you're not disappointed. Listen to our individual scores, because that's what everyone should be doing. Because <laughs> they're yes. more reflective. I know. I know. We bag on the thumb score, the yeah. thumb method, if you like. Uh, to yeah. our credit, it is less than Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Okay. Which and was terribly low, though. Was terribly low. Shamefully low from us. Yeah. And um, let me see the same score as we gave to. Saw, in fact. Hey, we really liked Saw. Yeah. Well, clearly not. We only liked it sixty something percent worth, but we had good things to talk um, to say about Saw. True. It's I also think the unanimously. Same score as we gave our, our only other nineteen seventies movie, which was Halloween. Yeah, I'm all about the numbers today. Numbers oh, what did we give now. Halloween? Sixty-two and a half. Damn. Oh. Okay. So, yeah, was uh, J- Jared? Did you watch Halloween with us or? Nah, was it, I, I that was pretty Okay. No, no, he was on the show by then. Oh. But he, he couldn't make it. Going. He had yeah. studies or something. Okay. okay, so with that, that's a pretty decent score. Can I can I just say one thing? Um, I was sort of was watching this and I was thinking. So 
while ago we watched Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Yeah. We watched Smokey and the Bandit. I think from now on, every movie just has to be like with that sort of title. So I think we need to do Thelma and Louise. Um, <laughs> late, late. Well, all three of those are basically um, the same yeah. thing. It's two um, guys running away from cops. Yeah, we've got, um, we can do Lady and the Tramp, uh, Beauty and the Beast. Batman and Robin, of course. Um, Lilo and Stitch, there's... Uh, it's endless. I think those need to be okay. rest of our picks. We're going to launch a spin-off podcast, which will be the Ampersand uh, <laughs> podcast. And any movie that has an ampersand in the title. And the. And the. And the. The good, yeah. the bad, and the ugly. Oh, that's got um, a couple of them right there. Yeah. Falcon and the Snowman. Um, I would do good, the bad, and the ugly if it was shorter. But it is a fantastic movie. Spoiler. Two thumbs. Um, okay. So, let's go on to what everybody is on the edge of their seat for. Like Sally Field was on the edge of Burt Reynolds' lap. Clayton is picking the next movie. Here's an image for you. Clayton. Yeah. Clayton. Yes. If you're on the edge of Burt Reynolds' lap, never mind. No. Clayton. I'm staring into his moustache. Put your pick into our laps as if it was Sally Field. <laughs> Be our frog, Clayton. Be, Any be our frog. Any porn moustaches? <laughs> well, hey, why can't it just be a Tom Selleck moustache? Hey, before well, I, I guess this predates. Before yeah. I do my pick, did yeah. we have any Twitter comments? Oh my gosh, yes, we did. Oh, nice work, Clayton. Thank you, Clayton. All good. Well done. Because I, I, no, I saw your tweet today and I liked it, so I was like, "Oh fuck, we haven't done that." Actually, you know what I'm going to do? Before we go into the Twitter comments, and we don't usually do this, and it might just be a one-off. We did. It is a listener pick after all. We're going to have a quick break and we're going to run a promo for another podcast and we'll be right back with the Twitter comments after this. Hello, bookworms. Don't forget to check out the Weekend Readers, your virtual book club. Each episode, Clayton reviews a book and decides if it's worthy of being placed on his bookshelf. Find the Weekend Readers anywhere you find your fine quality podcasts and read along. The Weekend Readers, your virtual book club. All right, and we're back. So go and listen to that podcast. And as we said, big thanks again to Jared from Punch the Timeline. Um, go and follow them on Twitter again at Timeline Punch or Instagram and I want to say Facebook at Punch the Timeline. Their podcast is available like ours and like yours if you have a podcast listener, wherever good podcasts are available and even the average ones like ours. So here are our Twitter comments. So Film Rage at Film Rage YYC. Welcome back to the shoutouts, Film Rage. I have not revisited this since it first came out as I have a real fear it won't hold up Sally Field is always great and you know Bert's the man Sally Field is always great true for my money this movie totally holds up um alright no Jason only Zool Mr. Jason Lee a big not that Jason Lee a big um friend of the show uh, back when men were men and moustaches walked to the earth. That sounds like a Clayton comment. 
So brilliant. Dude Law at Local Dude Law. Uh-huh. He just quoted the song. Long way to go. <laughs> Short time to get there. <laughs> Clayton should be doing this. Um, uh, so, yeah, that is a brilliant song. I'm just going to... Um, Jared. Yes. He's bounding down. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, good. Actually, just add all three Jerry Reed songs. Yeah. Um, Showboys Podcast uh, at Showboys Podcast. Just look at that stash. I don't think we need anything else. Man, Damn Clayton. straight. Clayton, the, the fans are on your side, mate. Exactly. It's a great, wonderful moustache. It's got a lot of volume. It's voluminous. It's manly right. as fuck. Yeah. Back when they were um, acceptable to it's just have a moustache. It's still acceptable. It is not. Um, unless you're a, a pro wrestler and it looks like Hulk Hogan's. Um, now, can I just say one thing? People are probably going to shit on me for this. If you Google Smokey and the Bandit, one of the first images you get is Burt Reynolds throwing up the peace sign while sitting in the car. If you were to recast this movie now, that right there, based on that picture, Pedro Pascal. Just saying. I was thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> oh, good. Really? Yeah. Nice. It totally looks like Pedro Pascal. I'm like, oh, shit, did I get the wrong photo and someone's photoshopped it as if there's going to be a remake? But nope. So, um... Where are we up to? Okay. AKA Jeanette at AKA Jeanette. Bird and Sally had great chemistry. Fast cars outrunning the cops and hijinks galore. Love Smokey and the Bandit. Um, tick, tick, yes. Agree. Now, one of my favorite podcasts, and I love you all, but one of my favorites is Sorry You're In My Seat podcast. Uh, follow them at on Twitter at S-Y-I-M-S underscore podcast. So it's the acronym for Sorry You're In My Seat. That's probably easier. Um, great show. Go listen to them. Totally worth your time. Wherever good podcasts are available. Um, okay, confession time. Never seen it. I know of it, but this one just slipped past me. Does it age well? And is it worth a watch? I was hardly going to answer on Twitter because, like I said in one of my responses, why buy the cow if you get the milk for free? So... Ooh. Hopefully you've listened this far. Hopefully we've put across that it is worth a watch. And number two and number three. Number two with the elephant apparently is going to be worth a watch because at least two of us are going to go and watch it. Um, right. Uh, Jeff Butcher at number one, true butcher, as in the numeral, so one true butcher. Best fourth wall break in the history of cinema. I said I stamped over this earlier. Jeff Butcher, I couldn't agree with you more. I loved it. Cartoony or not, and the smile was cheesy as fuck. But it was great. Um, those are our comments from Twitter. So thank you guys again for jumping on and giving us your feedback. And now you get to do it all again. You've got two weeks to watch the next movie. And Clayton. Yeah, man. What is our next movie? What is your pick? Okay. So, I'm going to dedicate the next movie to all the dog lovers out there. Paw Patrol the movie? <laughs> Jared, you got a dog, eh? I do, yes. Is it Kobe or Brian? I can't remember its name. Kobe. Kobe, yeah. How did I, you forget that name? He's like... No, no, I didn't know if do? it was Kobe or Bryant. I knew oh, it was right, Kobe okay. Bryant. 
But yeah. So this movie goes out to all the puppy dogs and puppy mums worldwide that listen to us. Please be Paw Patrol the movie. <laughs> now, there are some great dog movies ever made out there. <laughs> Lady Patrol. and the Tramp, 101 Dalmatians, franchises like Lassie and Beethoven, even sad ones that may make you cry like Molly and me. But today, fellas, I bring to you my pick for the greatest dog movie ever made. This movie is simple. It's about a man and a dog. Released in 2014. We are watching John Motherfucking Wick. Yay! Bad. That is not where I thought that was going, because if you're a dog lover, you're probably not going to like that movie. (laughs) Um, I was thinking like uh, Beverly Hills Chihuahua or something. Oh my gosh. John Wick, baby. But the Chihuahua could be not. Okay, I'd like to point out, not really a dog movie. It is. (laughs) After that whole build. (laughs) It is a dog movie. No, the story is predicated by a dog. that happens to a dog. Okay. All right, good pick. But I think everyone knows... The thumbs, well, the reaction in general that that movie will get. Um, okay. All right. John Wick. Everybody's seen John Wick, I'm guessing, right? I guess so. Yes. Yep. Yes. <laughs> I want to rewatch it. It's fun. All right. All right. There's a I dog in this. It. This goes a lot against a lot of <laughs> Brian's. Um, thoughts about what we should be doing on this show because that's a really big movie dude um and a very recent popular movie that we've all watched all i ever want in these is something to talk about or i think there's something to talk about there is okay so hey i expect twitter comments on this one because all of you have seen that movie and if you haven't you've now got two weeks to make up for that sin so go and watch john wick it's got to be available to stream somewhere. I'll put it on Twitter if I can find it. Um, until then, thanks again to Jared. This was a fun watch. Um, we will do listener picks again in the future at some point. Uh, the first one will probably be the Halloween one. So again, send us your suggestions. We will be back in two weeks with John Wick. Until then... Follow us on Twitter at Heritage Film Pod. We're on Instagram and Facebook at the same handle, but yeah, not really a lot. So Twitter's where it's at, yo. So go there. Um, we have two playlists on Spotify, as you're well aware now. One is the Ultimate Movie Soundtrack, movies that were made specifically for or synonymous with the movies they appear in. And I'm going to have to put Eastbound and Down on that one as well. And the other Spotify playlist is the soundtrack to our podcast, movies and score, uh, sorry, songs and score from the movies we review. Jared, you've got some good choices for this one. What did you put on for uh, Streets of Fire? Well, I had a few in there. There was a, good, um, a few good ones. Um, Nowhere Fast, I Can Dream About You, and Tonight is What It Means to Be Young. Good man. Nice. Yeah. And I would like to point out that Nowhere Fast was co-written by Jim Steinman. Good pick. Well done. So I was right. Well called, Mike. Thank you. I just watched a, um, after that, I watched a documentary from the classic album series on the making of Bad Out of Hell. Mm-hmm. And Jim Steinman is very heavily featured in that. And he has held on to his look. Um, okay. 
So um, that's about it, I think. Right. So before we go, Jared, do you have any more comments on Coors Light to yes. close out the show? So there's a lot of good beer out there. There's a lot of bad beer. And um, one thing they say about American beer is that it's like having sex next to a lake and it is fucking close to water. And with that, the Heritage Film Club is out. That's the end. Thanks for listening.